Hi, my name is Ronnie Grayer, and this is the Monthly Safety Podcast for October of 2010. First, a little bit about me. I've been a Greyhound driver now for the past 19 and a half years, been in the driver instructor program for the past five and a half, and I currently drive out of Syracuse, New York. First, I'd like to say that this is the sixth episode in the series, and I encourage you to listen to the previous episodes. Um, I'll give you more information about email links and so on at the end, but um, I did send copies of the first five on one CD to uh, many locations in Region 1, and the managers do have those. So feel free to ask your manager to, for the CD so that you can listen to the first five episodes that way if you'd like to. So it's fall, and um, winter is right around the corner, certainly where I live. Uh, leaves are off the trees, uh, and that changes the driving conditions a little bit. And, you know, when we talk about fall, as it turns into winter, we talk about adverse weather and uh, adverse weather training, of course, every year. Uh, this year we're doing something a little bit uh, different, still talking about adverse weather, but also combining some other things in there. And I'm sure most of you have probably had the training, and if you haven't, you'll have it uh, very soon, and that'll be the uh, Continuing Driver Education, or CDE, which uh, incorporates a lot of things in addition to the adverse weather training. So, And it's real good stuff, so you'll get a lot out of it. Uh, CSA 2010 is one of the hot-button issues we've been talking about right now. And um, if you're not sure what it is, of course, I had my notes here, um, I can just give you a brief overview. And again, you can get a lot of information on the, uh, on the uh, DOT, on the, I'm sorry, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the FMCSA website. Uh, but the CSA 2010 basically is an initiative to improve large truck and bus safety and ultimately reduce commercial motor vehicle-related crashes, injuries, and fatalities. It introduces a new enforcement and compliance model that allows the FMCSA and its state partners to contact a larger number of carriers earlier in order to address safety problems before crashes occur. Rolling out the program by the end of 2010 will establish a new nationwide system for making the roads safer for motor carriers and the public alike. So this thing is really designed to uh, try to get unsafe drivers off the road and more importantly, to be a little bit proactive and kind of intervene uh, with drivers that are uh, or companies that are showing negative trends and try to turn those around so that the roadways can be safer for everyone. I think it's a win-win situation for all of us, certainly for us uh, drivers that uh, do what we're supposed to do and do our jobs the way we've been trained and are safety-driven professionals. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk out there amongst the drivers uh, that I've heard with people are concerned that... Uh, if they go through a roadside inspection, for instance, and there's a safety-related defect with their bus, that they're going to receive points on their license. This is not true. Uh, now, I don't know if this may change, but at this point, uh, this is not true. But, however, if you do uh, take a bus out, you need to ensure that it doesn't have any safety-related defects uh, before you drive. If it does, you don't take it unless they're corrected. That's always been the case, and that hasn't changed. So, you know, we need to uh, continue to do what we've been doing all along, Nothing really changes on our end. Uh, it's more of a, of a company thing. Um, but again, you know, there are some changes. So you've got the information uh, at all the locations. Go to the website, and if you're not sure where it is, just pop CSA 2010 into Google, and you'll get the website, and you can get lots more information there. It's, it's really a lot uh, to go into. Like anything with the government, it's a lot of information. So I'm not going to go into all of it here, but you can get that. So... Uh, this month, I wanted to talk about um, communication. Uh, and when I say communication, I mean as it relates to us driving, how we communicate 
with others. You know, how do we do that? We, uh, we communicate while driving. We use uh, various methods to communicate with other drivers and other vehicles as well as pedestrians. We use our horn. We use our turn signals, our lights, both headlight and stoplights. And we also use eye contact. Now, one of the things that we run into a lot, that I run into a lot, is drivers that are very reluctant to use their horn. I heard one, someone once say that it's like a badge of honor to say that you never use the horn. Um, and, of course, people say, well, in, in New York, there are signs that say no horn blowing, and there's a, a fine. And while that's true, uh, the horn is on the vehicle for a reason, and we want to use that effectively to communicate. And the, a friendly tap will get someone's attention, whether it's a pedestrian or another vehicle. Uh, and that's something that we want to do. You want to stay off of the air horn uh, whenever possible, and you don't want to lean on the horn. You certainly don't want to use the horn to uh, let the traffic know that they're not moving quickly enough. But used uh, properly, the horn is an effective communication tool, and we shouldn't forget about that. So, you know, if you, if you are not sure if someone sees you, whether it's in a, a driver or a pedestrian, you want to tap the horn in order to establish communication to get some eye contact so that uh, that vehicle or that pedestrian is aware of the presence of your bus. Now keep in mind the horn just makes noise. So, you know, you if you're going to blow your horn, you're going to need to cover your brake and be prepared to slow down and or stop as well. But, you know, that's something that's that's really bothers me when drivers uh, refrain from using the horn um, completely and don't use it at all. And the fact is that you should find out if your horn works uh, before you start backing off the platform. That should be part of your pre-trip inspection. Um, and if your horn doesn't work, whether it's uh, the electric horn or the, or the air horn, if neither one of them works, then that bus is not safe to drive. And you need to get that corrected. So let's keep that in mind. Um, again, you know, uh, use some good judgment with that and uh, don't blow the horn inappropriately. Same thing with your lights. We don't want to uh, use the high beams to tell someone to get out of our way. And you want to be careful when you, if you use your lights to signal a bus coming the other way, we've all done it. It's not something we're supposed to do. And you can send uh, a different message than you've intended to another vehicle, so be careful with that. Uh, try not to use your lights uh, to communicate with another bus to say, hello, how are you? Things like that. Um, so let's keep that in mind also. Uh, inappropriate use of, of horns and lights and turn signals also. Some of us have found that if there's a vehicle sitting alongside of us for an extended period of time, we can adjust our speed, but what some people do is they may turn on that signal just to tell that driver to move over, and that's not something we should do. And finally, four-way flashes are something that a lot of drivers use too often, and uh, we don't know what message it's sending. If you're traveling down the highway and the traffic is slowing uh, abruptly for uh, you know, no apparent reason, maybe there's an accident up ahead or road construction, yeah, you might put on your flashes to indicate to the other traffic that there's a, an, a significant decrease in speed. But to put on your flashes to show that you're approaching a toll plaza uh, just seems uh, silly. I mean... Everyone can tell that there's a toll ahead and the traffic is going to be slowing and or stopping. So let's try to uh, minimize use of the four-way flashes as well. And certainly driving in the bus terminal, there's absolutely no need to have those on to indicate that you're traveling in the bus terminal. It just confuses people. Uh, then you forget to turn them off. You're on the platform and another driver may think that you're backing up. So let's try to minimize the use on all these communication tools. Use them appropriately. Use good judgment so that we send the correct message and that we don't confuse anyone. Um, backing is another issue that's been coming up a lot. We want to make sure that we back safely uh, because backing is a very dangerous maneuver. Of course, the first rule of backing is that we back only when necessary and we back as little as possible or no further than you need to. So that's a big thing. You know, a lot of times we can find a way 
to avoid backing completely, and we want to do that. But, of course, there are so many times when we have to back because of the way that the bus stations are designed. We pull in, and then we have to back out. So always, always, always walk around your bus completely before you back up. Make a complete circle. Walk all the way around your bus before you back up. And then when you get back into the seat, you want to be able to get moving before things change. If too much time goes by, you get distracted, you lose your focus, you may need to walk around again. Uh, always want to use a guide. There are going to be some times when you won't have one, but those should be minimal uh, for the most part. Even if it takes you an extra minute, you need to uh, make use of a guide. Make sure that you yourself and the guide understand the hand signals. Make sure that the guide understands uh, you know, the dynamics in backing a bus. Make sure that the guide is standing in a place where you can see that person and that they can see you in the mirror. We always want to try to have the guide on the left, but sometimes that's not possible. For the most part, that guide should be on the left side where you have better visibility. Uh, when you're backing, if you lose sight of the guide, you want to stop. If it looks like the guide is going to be trapped between your bus and a fixed object, a wall, a pole, something, you want to stop. We always want to back slowly with the flashers on and your brake covered. Make sure that we sound the horn loudly at least twice before we start to back. Make sure that you're scanning your mirrors continuously. Keep your head and eyes moving. Don't stare in one mirror and don't stare in one direction. And don't forget to look to the front and to the sides because what's behind you for the most part is not going to change. But as you back, especially if you turn the wheel, uh, what's alongside you and what's in front will be changing. And oftentimes damage is going to be to the front bumper or to the front corner. So be aware that things are changing to the front and to the sides of your vehicle and not as much uh, in the rear. Bottom line is that when you're responsible for the safe backing of your bus, so if you're not sure, get out and look. Don't be afraid to stop and get out. Uh, don't you know depend on the guide. Ultimately, if you feel unsure, get out and check your clearances. So that's that's you know safe backing is something that shouldn't be uh, that difficult. Uh, but many drivers uh, are in a hurry and they kind of cut corners there, and we want to try not to do that. Um, this part of the podcast we come to talking about uh, mishaps on the road this month. Uh, I'm happy to say that. Uh, we haven't had any serious mishaps in the past month, but unfortunately, Megabus had a, uh, a serious uh, accident right around the corner from me, right on the way that I travel to work every day to and from. Um, and for those of you that hadn't heard about it, what happened was there was a double-decker Megabus traveling down a road uh, near the bus station in Syracuse, and that bus is 13 feet too high, and he tried to fit under a 10-foot-9 bridge, and of course, that's just not going to happen. Uh, but there are so many reasons why this shouldn't have happened. Uh, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, and, of course, it, it makes all bus drivers look bad because we know that when, when there's a problem with a bus, initially it's, oh, it's got to be Greyhound. Um, but it wasn't us. But it's still a terrible tragedy that should have been avoided. So what can we learn from this? Um, well, the, the driver passed at least 12 signs, uh, many flashing lights. And this was at 2.30 in the morning, so... There wasn't a lot of other vehicles around. There weren't a lot of distractions. The driver could pretty much have stopped and tried to get his bearings. He said that he was lost, that he was trying to find his way, and that he was uh, using his GPS to try to find his way, uh, which is a real bad thing, too. Um, you know, Greyhound policy has always prohibited the use of electronic devices in the bus, and the GPS certainly qualifies as that. And... Um, it's not something that we should be doing. We should be able to read a map. We should be able to read signs. 
Uh, Megabus said after the accident that it was company policy for the drivers not to use GPS uh, if they get lost that they were supposed to stop and call a dispatcher and although they have a device installed in the bus that can tell the company where the bus is it's not designed to help the driver to navigate and actually the uh, the police uh, here in Syracuse area the uh, sheriff was saying the county sheriff that they were going to charge the driver based on the uh, distracted driving law that says that you can't uh, send text messages and the GPS falls into that category. The driver said that he was he was looking down at his GPS and the company did confirm uh, Megabus that it, uh, the police rather that the uh, GPS was the driver's personal GPS because it had his home address in it. So you know let's not fumble around with these things uh, but most importantly if you're in an unfamiliar area especially we should be reading our road signs carefully uh, things like overhead clearances with uh, limits, uh, weight restrictions, commercial vehicle restrictions, all these kinds of things, uh, we should be uh, in tune, especially when we're in unfamiliar areas. So, you know, this driver, uh, for whatever reason, uh, missed a bunch of signs, uh, wasn't paying attention, and said that he was looking for an area to turn around, but he never slowed down. And when he hit that bridge, at his own estimation, he was going 35 miles per hour. The speed limit was 55, and some of the passengers uh, said that he may have been you know, going closer to that 55 limit. Unfortunately, four people were killed. Uh, the driver uh, was had a head injury. It was a pretty serious head injury, but he was only in the hospital for a couple of days and just never figured it out. It's a terrible tragedy that should never have happened. And, uh, you know, this is our chance to uh, pick up some new customers there to, you know, show them that Greyhound is, is the top. We're the professional drivers. So, you know, um, it's a terrible tragedy that shouldn't have happened. Uh, and we can prevent these kinds of things uh, just simply by paying attention and being alert. And if you're in an unfamiliar area, you really have to uh, be in tune with your surroundings and don't be afraid to stop and look at your map, get your bearings, and make a phone call. So I think that's going to do, do it for this month for October. I don't want to go on too much, and the podcast is actually a little bit late this month. I've been real busy doing some other training. We've got some things coming around the bend here for Greyhound that are exciting. Uh, but I did want to say that if you wanted to listen to uh, previous episodes, um, you can go to my Facebook page at facebook.com slash ronnie.grayer. That's R-O-N-N-I-E-G-R-E-H-E-R. You can send me email at ronnie13211 at gmail.com. Uh, I can give you links to previous episodes. You can give me suggestions, uh, criticisms, comments, whatever you'd like. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get email. So that'll do it for this month. I want everyone to have a safe and pleasant trip. Take your time, and we'll see you in November.